0: Yo, this is after Rose of Guns Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Alexa. Hi, this is Girl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal double G. Hi, this is Don Salad. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat. is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holders. How's everybody doing? I hope you all had a great weekend. I'm excited. Let's go ahead and get this show started. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. We are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. Welcome, everybody. Here on this Monday, episode 414, it's July the 11th, 2022, and we've got a great show. Got a pretty good weekend, going to talk about the Columbus Lions getting the big victory over the San Antonio Gunslingers, setting records in the NAL, 79-75, to and that pushes them into the playoffs for the National Arena League season. And welcome back, Mason Espinoza. The Columbus Chattahoots are on a three-game win streak by sweeping the two-game series against the Chakalaka Monsters on Saturday night at Historic Golden Park. Even though there were three players for the Chattahoots that got ejected in the game, the Chattahoots were able to win 12-3. And the Atlanta Braves just continue winning by winning the series against the Washington Nationals. And I'll also talk a little bit about the NBA Summer League because I have some thoughts about... Some of the players that actually stood out. But let's go ahead and get right into the show. The Columbus Lions. They snap a two-game losing streak. They're now 5-5 five and five on the season. And they were able to beat the San Antonio Gunslingers 79-75. to The story, Mason Espinosa returns. You're probably wondering, as a National Arena League fan, I thought that Mason left the team to go coach at a D3 school. Well, he did. He has a break from that school. Coach Gibson never took him off the inactive roster. He activated him just in time for the remaining three games of the season. And Mason never skipped a beat. Eight touchdowns, including four to Jarmon Fortson, three to Darren Townsend, and one to Kevin Fuller. Now, I'm excited because on tomorrow's show, I'm going to have Mason Espinoza on the podcast along with Jarmon Fortson. And Jared Dillard. It is going to be exciting. I'm just happy to see Mason back in the Fountain City. And I got to be honest with you, I was up in the booth. It was my first game calling with Mason at quarterback, and he looked poised in the pocket. Great accuracy with the football. Yeah, there's a couple of mishaps, and you know we were joking around about it up in the booth about the broadcast jinx. As I gave Mason a compliment. The Lions had a turnover, and San Antonio got the ball back. But it was Maurice Leggett with the three interceptions that kept the Columbus Lions in the game, and they were able to get the go-ahead lead. It was the greatest finish I've ever witnessed in an NAL football game because San Antonio went up. Robert Kent, first of all, can we give credit to two outstanding veteran quarterbacks in Robert Kent and Mason Espinoza that completely balled out. Robert Kent threw it to Sparrow, his wide receiver, to tie things up at 73. And then San Antonio missed the extra point. It's tied at 73 with 29 seconds left to go. And San Antonio makes the deuce. It's now 75-73. to 73. You put the Columbus Lions on the five-yard line with 29 seconds left to go. And then Mason Espinosa went to work. A couple of sideline passes to stop the clock. A big pass to Jarmon Fortson that got him down at the five-yard line. Six seconds left to go. A little fade route. He had to do it a little bit quick. And Jarmon Fortson was able to get the go-ahead touchdown. But it still wasn't enough. Three seconds left to go. Blake Erickson attempted the deuce. Once it went off the uprights, it was a live football. And San Antonio tried to run it back, but the time expired. And that's your ballgame with a 5-5 five and five record. Two games left to go in the NAL season as they will travel to Greensboro, North Carolina next week to take on the Carolina Cobras. They will close out the regular season on July the 23rd against the Orlando Predators. Some of the fans of the league were trying to say, well, Orlando is still alive for the playoffs. If Orlando wins out and Columbus loses all their games, Orlando will have the tiebreaker with Columbus. They'll both finish 5-7. and seven. Can we just say that Columbus is clinching the playoffs? Because Orlando's not beating Albany in Albany, New York next week. It's not going to happen. And then with Mason Espinoza at quarterback, I like Columbus's chances against Carolina next week. And then they close out Orlando for the regular season. you got to understand that Mason Espinoza is a difference maker at quarterback. He won the NAL MVP last season, 56 touchdowns, led the Columbus Lions to the championship game against Albany. Anything can happen in the playoffs. I mean, you have chaos in the whole league. Carolina loses to Jacksonville. They're now 8-4. Jacksonville, they're now 7-5. you got Albany at 6-4. And so all these teams at the top, nobody wants the number one seed. Jacksonville controls its own destiny. If they win out, they're going to win the number one seed. Don't tell me how they ended up having more games in the season, but it's based off a winning percentage anyway. Oh, it's such an incredible game, one of the greatest games I've ever called, and I was very happy to be up in the booth with Jared Diller calling that game. You know, he brings excitement to the broadcast, and I just try to feed off that. And we were excited. Went down to the field and talk to some of the players. I was just happy and I was so proud of them. And I was just happy that Mason Espinosa returned to Columbus. And he had quite the game. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to finish up these next two games and getting ready for the playoffs. You know, it was pretty cool to see the Columbus Rapids at the Columbus Lions game Friday night and Saturday they had Columbus Rapids tryouts. And now it's official We have a new expansion team in the National Indoor Soccer League. It's called the Tampa Bay Strikers. And they will play the 2022-2023 NISL season at the Yingling Center. Well, it's looking like the playoffs are a possibility for the Columbus Chattahoots. As they've won three games in a row, they sweep the two-game series with the Chakalaka Monsters on Saturday night, 12-3. And here is your current standings in the SBL West. Columbus is 10-8, and followed by the Gwinnett Astros that are two back. And the Chocolata Monsters are four and a half back. Over in the Central, the Atlanta Crackers lead the way with the 12-5 records. The Gainesville Gold Diggers have the best record in the SBL in the East Division with a four and a half game lead over the Waleska Wild Things. Remember, the division winners clinch a playoff berth. And there will be three wildcard teams, and it doesn't matter who it doesn't matter which division it comes out of. Right now, I'm looking at the standings. Your wildcard teams would be Atlanta, Waleska, and Brookhaven. And Brookhaven is in last place in the Central. Columbus will take on the Gwinnett Astros tonight. And then Wednesday night, they will take on the Astros again. They could separate themselves in the West. But I love the confidence that the Columbus Chattahoots have. I feel like they're turning the corner. And as they gear up for the postseason, they look hot. The one-two punch of their starting pitchers, Clay Weatherly and Nick Morgan, is amazing to see. Nick Morgan leads the team with 26 innings pitched, and he has a 2.03 earn run average. Your leading home run leader for the Chattahoots is Wynn Johns with three home runs and 11 RBIs. And Zane Ross at the top of the order with a 350 batting average. The Columbus Chattahoots and manager Steve Smith trying to get something going special. Columbus wants to repeat that magic they had when they made it all the way to the SBL Championship against Alpharetta. That is the next homestand Friday and Saturday night, the 15th and 16th of July The Columbus Chattahoots are taking on the defending SBL champion Alpharetta Aviators. River Dragons forward Jay Krupp wants everybody to pack the park on Friday. We've got to break the attendance record at Historic Golden Park. Trying to beat 3,000 fans. Maybe get closer to the 4,000 mark and have more fans at Golden Park than the fans that saw Banana Ball back in April with the Savannah Bananas. So how about the Atlanta Braves? They sweep the Washington Nationals. They won Sunday afternoon's game four to three in twelve innings. You know it's funny when I said I didn't like the base running rule. It actually turns out to work in the Braves' favor. Not only did Austin Riley get the game tying home run in the bottom of the eighth after Lane Thomas. Hit a three-run blast down 2-0 in the top of the sixth. Austin Riley singles in the bottom of the twelfth, And the Atlanta Braves get the three-game sweep over the Washington Nationals. They have won six out of their last seven. And now they are just a game and a half back of the New York Mets. And the Atlanta Braves are 52-35. and They have a very important three-game series with the New York Mets. And then right before the All-Star break, they will take on the Washington Nationals for a four-game series. I'm just going to come out and say it. Can Can I come out and say it? The Atlanta Braves are better this year than they were last year. They have hit their stride thanks to their two rookies who are candidates for Rookie of the Year. Michael Harris with seven home runs and 24 runs batted in. And Spencer Strider. I'm looking at their starting pitching. With Max Freed, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, and Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider, with a 4-2 and record and 2-6-0 run average, he already has 102 strikeouts. And he's only started eight games. He started half the games of all the other starting pitchers. What does that tell you? It tells you that he is more than capable of being an everyday starter. He's not taxed in the innings, and I think he could be a big asset in the postseason. Normally in the postseason, teams don't go to five starters. But if you look at the experience the Braves have with their pitching, Max Freed has pitched in some big postseason games. Ian Anderson has pitched in some big postseason games, and so has Charlie Morton. And don't count out Kyle Wright. A 10-4 record with a 2.97 earned run average. I know that it was sink or swim for Kyle Wright in the 2020 postseason, and he got shelled. But I think that experience is going to give Kyle Wright an opportunity in the postseason. And Mike Soroka is going to come back from injury. So the Braves don't have to worry about their pitching. Right now, Kenley Jansen, he's going to come back. He's going to be big in the postseason. I have confidence in the Braves' bullpen. I have confidence in the Braves' starting rotation. And I know they don't have players like Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, Freddie Freeman, but they still have Dansby Swanson. If you look at the team from last year compared to the team this year, They have the fielding of Michael Harris. That's going to be a big part in the postseason. Ronald Acuna Jr. and Marcel Azuna. I know that they're also going to have Adam Duvall back from injury. And Ozzie Albies is also going to come back from injury. My expectations for the Braves is to at least get back to the NLCS. I think that they could get back to the World Series. But can this team win another World Series? I know that Braves fans were excited that they won the World Series last year. First time since 1995. I know I was excited for the city of Atlanta. But can the Braves do it again? I know if you're an optimistic Braves fan, you're probably saying, sure, why not? Because I think this team is better than the team last year. But that team last year had a lot of magic. Jock Peterson in the postseason. Remember Tober? I thought the Braves were going to lose that first round series to the Milwaukee Brewers. Willie Telez has something to do with that. But Jock Peterson... With big pinch hit home runs. The Braves took advantage of a tired Dodgers team. Had the home field advantage against the wild card Dodgers. And were able to win game one and game two in walk off fashion. I know that Luke Jackson had a rough outing as Cody Bellinger made him pay. But Tyler Matzik, AJ Minter, Jesse Chavez. This bullpen with Will Smith, Kenley Jansen. They're going to be ready for the postseason I think the Atlanta Braves are going to be in first place by the time we hit the All-Star break. The 2022 Major League All-Star game will be held in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium this year on Tuesday, July the 19th. And several Atlanta Braves and former Atlanta Braves made it on the team. Uh, Jock Peterson, who played for the Atlanta Braves last year, has made it as a starter in right field for the San Francisco Giants. The Braves that made it to the All-Star team include Ronald Acuna Jr., Dansby Swanson, Travis Darno, William Contreras, and Max Freed. I am surprised that Austin Riley did not make the All-Star team. And I plan on having Justin Dale on the show on Wednesday as we will discuss the All-Star team and the progress of the Atlanta Braves in the first half. Austin Riley currently leads the Atlanta Braves with 23 home runs. Oh, if you're an Atlanta United fan, it has got to be rough. Atlanta United dropped three mil to Austin FC. It was the worst home loss in franchise history. Now your franchise player, Joseph Martinez, his future is uncertain with the five stripes. I don't know what to say. You can't make the excuse about injuries because it's not all about injuries. The fan base is great. They have great culture. But they're just not competing right now in Major League Soccer. I mean, you lose to an expansion team like Austin FC, and it doesn't get any easier. Because Wednesday, the Five Stripes takes on Real Salt Lake. That's going to be a challenging match for Atlanta United. And a team that stands for excellence right now is one of the worst teams in Major League Soccer. And I'm a fan. I love Atlanta United. I was so happy when they won the MLS Cup in 2018. Went to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2019. Don't take too much in NBA Summer League. It's just a showcase for players trying to make the team, a showcase for rookies. I mean, Trey Young had a bad Summer League when he first started. I did watch a little bit of the highlights of the Summer League. I liked seeing Paulo Bonquero and Keegan Murray go back and forth when the Magic took on the Keens. The Hawks didn't even play their guys. They lose to the Utah Jazz in Summer League. I thought I was going to see A.J. Griffin. They didn't even play A.J. Griffin. They didn't play Sharif Cooper. They didn't play Jalen Johnson. So I guess Coach Nate McMillan is coaching the Summer League too because he doesn't like to play rookies and two-year players. I'm not worried about the Hawks because I look at their starting five, and that is a championship starting five team. It's just that if A.J. Griffin... Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson turn out to be very good, talented players. They could make a difference off the bench. But I would take this starting five against any starting five in the NBA. The backcourt of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. John Collins as your power forward. DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella. Although it's interchangeable between Clint Capella and Anyeka Okongru. I think Anyeka is capable of being a starter he's shown a lot of strides. when he plays big time minutes he could actually be a very good defender but he only gets about 20 minutes a game yes I was sad to see Kevin Herter go Kevin Herter was the reason why the Atlanta Hawks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals it was his magic in game seven against the Philadelphia 76ers that catapulted the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, was able to steal game one against Milwaukee. You could play the what-if game if Trey Young did not get hurt, but also Giannis was hurt too. So the Atlanta Hawks went 43-39 and last year. And you got to understand, they still have Bogon Boganovich on this team. They don't have Danilo Gallinari anymore. They don't have DeLon Wright. It is Lou Williams going to be back. Skyler Mays, I mean, he's going to have... Possibly some big-time minutes. I want to see the Atlanta Hawks at least get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think they have the backcourt with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray to do it. They're both in their prime. They're both dynamic scorers. DeJounte Murray can play a little defense. If DeAndre Hunter becomes a defensive specialist, that could be a game-changer. Speaking of the summer league, I was watching some of the highlights of Chet Holmgren for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I think the league has changed for a 7-foot shooter that can also block shots and score on the post. He's got a pretty good jump shot, and I think that even though his size is a little too small, I think it works. There's a chance that Chet Holmgren may not be a bust. One of the reasons why I thought that he was going to be a bust is because Gonzaga players don't seem to pan out in the NBA. Ronnie Turioff, Adam Morrison, Casey Calvary, Dan Dickow, they haven't really done anything in their NBA career. Adam Morrison was one of the biggest busts in NBA history. All right, so my Facebook timeline keeps reminding me that it is the 12-year anniversary of the decision... And I keep saying on this show, I hated it. I absolutely hated the decision with a passion. I rooted against the Miami Heat for four seasons. I wanted them to lose every single game. That's how disgusted I was with the decision. LeBron James teaming up with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. They were the worst villain that I ever witnessed in my lifetime. By far. And it's not even close. I hated this team more than I hated the Lakers. That's how bad it was. It did not sit well with me. So let's take a stroll down memory lane. And how it turned out for the team that promised eight championships. Well, the 2010-2011 season. The Miami Heat just steamrolled through everybody in the Eastern Conference. But they disappeared in the NBA Finals against the Dallas Mavericks. you only had one superstar, Dirk Nowitzki. Ooh. Solid burn. Year two. They had a little bit of trouble against the Indiana Pacers. Which, by the way, for three years, that Pacers-Heat rivalry was incredible. I thought that Pacers team was built to beat LeBron's Heat. With Roy Hibbert, Paul George, Lance Stevenson. That was a great team that I thought... Could beat the Miami Heat. The Heat were down 3-2 to two to the Boston Celtics. Facing elimination in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2012. And LeBron willed his way in a Game 6 that was in Boston. They beat the Celtics. That dynasty led by Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. And then they were able to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder easily. The Thunder were maybe a year away. They had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. But they were very early in their NBA career so the Heat win their first title great yay I was still very sick to my stomach disappointed year three with the Heatles together this was probably the most fascinating Eastern Conference finals as the Pacers took them to the limit in seven games and then they take on the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA finals and here we have Ray Allen if you can't beat him join him he leaves the Boston Celtics to go play for the Miami Heat in 2013. If it wasn't for a Ray Allen three, that's your ballgame. The Heat only have one title. But the 2014 NBA playoffs, you get to see the Eastern Conference Finals again. The rematch versus the Indiana Pacers. This Pacers team was great. And then there was Lance Stevenson. Game five of the 2014 Eastern Conference Finals, Lance Stevenson blows in LeBron's ear. Now, why is that important? Well, it became a meme forever. He didn't think that the camera was on him. He later admitted he was trying to get into LeBron's head. He was the primary defender on LeBron. And when you're a defender, you got to be a pest. you got to be annoying. Bruce Bowen was incredible for that. Patrick Beverly was... Lance Stevenson, these players, they're like a tyrant. They're like a pest, and they are constantly in your head with the trash talking and, of course, in Lance Stevenson's consideration, blowing in LeBron's ear. The Heat were able to win in six games, but they were no match for the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA Finals. Why did they lose in five games? Because they were old. The Miami Heat cannot build a team without a point guard and without a center. They were getting old. And so, two championships is not eight. And LeBron goes to Cleveland. And that actually was kind of a cool story. The Cleveland Cavaliers win the title in 2016, the first championship for the city of Cleveland since the 1960s with the Cleveland Browns. And they even made an ESPN 30 for 30, Believe Land, which they went back and changed the ending. And that's how magical it was and also for the city of Cleveland that year the Cleveland Indians blew a 3-1 series lead to the Chicago Cubs and they were so close Rajay Davis so close to winning a World Series but good for the Chicago Cubs as well so the Yankees played the Red Sox for a four-game series and right now the Yankees are the best team in Major League Baseball it would not surprise me if the New York Yankees won the World Series they have great Players, I'm talking big-time all-star players. And when the World Baseball Classic arrives in 2023, I expect Aaron Judge to be on that team. Imagine Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper. There's your outfield for the USA. Are you feeling it? I know I'm feeling it. The New York Yankees are very special. I think they win the World Series this year. The expectations for the New York Yankees, they spend all the money in the world 2009 was the last time they won a World Series. I remember that 2009 season. They played the defending world champs, the Philadelphia Phillies, who were starting to become a dynasty. The New York Yankees had CeCe Sabathia. They had Mark Teixeira. They had Jorge Posada. They had Robinson Cano, Hideki Matsui, Melky Cabrera, Nick Swisher, Derek Jeter, Brett Gardner. But they still had key players from that team that won the four World Series titles. Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera, but they also had CeCe Sabathia, who was one of the best pitchers that year. A.J. Burnett, Jabba Chamberlain, I don't know if anybody remembers him. Chin-Min Wong. So what happened to the New York Yankees? Why have they not won a World Series since 2009? 2010, they lose to the Texas Rangers in six games in the ALCS. Rangers went on to lose to the Giants in the World Series. 2011, they lose to the Detroit Tigers in the ALDS. 2012, they lose to the Detroit Tigers once again in the ALCS. 2013, they miss the playoffs. That was the year the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. 2014, they miss the playoffs. Uh Uh-oh, Yankees management getting... Really nervous. 2015, they lose the AL wildcard game to the Houston Astros. 2016, they miss the playoffs. There was a four-year stretch where the New York Yankees missed out on the playoffs, with the exception of the wildcard game. 2017, you remember the year the Houston Astros cheated their way to the World Series? The Yankees lose to the Astros in seven games in the ALCS. And then they lose to the eventual world champion, Boston Red Sox, in the ALDS in 2018. 2019, they lose in the ALCS again to the Houston Astros that go on to the World Series. Seemed like the Astros was their Achilles heel. 2020, the pandemic year, the Yankees lose in the Division Series to the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm starting to see a pattern here. Any team that beats the Yankees goes on to go to the World Series. And then last year... They lose in the one-game playoff to the Boston Red Sox, but unfortunately the Boston Red Sox lose to the Houston Astros in the ALCS. But right now the New York Yankees are 61-24. and How are they doing it? Well, they're doing it with some key free agent acquisitions like Anthony Rizzo, who they got at the trading deadline. Joey Gallo they got in free agency this year. But they also have the big-time bats like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton but what's underrated about the New York Yankees is their pitching. Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery, Jamison Talon, Nestor Cortez. Who are these guys? I've never even heard of these guys. Clay Holmes is their closer right now because Aroldis Chapman's been injured. If the Yankees win the World Series this year, it will be done with their most improbable starting rotation and bullpen. So right now, they're just doing it on their bats. They are just dominating the league. And uh, Aaron Boone is showing that he is a good manager. And I actually think that this is the year. This is the year the New York Yankees win the World Series. It will be their first World Series for the first time since 2009. And it will be their 28th World Series title. Speaking of a team from New York, the New York Mets retired legendary Keith Hernandez's number over the weekend at City Field. I like Keith Hernandez. He was a fan favorite for the New York Mets. He only played for him for seven seasons. And he didn't really have Hall of Fame numbers. He did win an MVP. But I honestly think what pushed Keith Hernandez to the top, he's a fan favorite. He was a catalyst on their 1986 World Series title. I think the Seinfeld episodes that he did made him more popular. I mean, come on. He's Keith Hernandez. You're Jerry Seinfeld. I love Keith Hernandez in the Seinfeld episodes, and I think that made him a fan favorite. And he had a lot of swagger. He had a personality. But if you look at his major league career, 162 home runs, lifetime batting average, 296. 17 seasons, retired at the age of 36. He won the MVP in 79. Of course, he mentions that on the show. I mean, he's never hit more than 20 home runs. His best year where he hit the most home runs was 18 home runs in 1987. He's a four-time All-Star. He's got a World Series ring and an 11-time Gold Glover. Really, his... Big thing was he was a gold glove first baseman. So is J.T. Snow. And I'm a fan of J.T. Snow. But yeah, Keith Hernandez, very popular because of the whole Seinfeld episodes. All right, let me tell you what's going on for this week. So here's what's going to happen. On the podcast, I'm going to have tomorrow, I'm going to have Mason Espinoza, Jarman Fortson, and Jared Dillard all on the show. And Wednesday's show is going to be a best of. So on the radio station at WQEE, this is going to be Tuesday's show. Wednesday, I'm going to be live in the studio. And then Thursday's show is going to be the Mason Espinosa Jarman Fortson show. And then on Friday, and this is just the radio station, it's going to be a best of show. But that's all the time I have on the show. Thank you so much, all you people that have been listening to this podcast. We are continuing to grow the audience. The last couple of episodes I had last week were the most listened to episodes of all time. I think I know which direction I need to go into. I need to start bringing more guests on that are high school coaches. I also have a very special announcement. I met with the staff at WLTZ, the CW38, which is going to rebroadcast the high school game of the week between Russell County, Smith Station, and Glenwood. Now I'm going to be the primary announcer for Russell County, and Corey Bank is going to be my color guy. We might switch it up and let him do some play-by-play. That's going to be your broadcast team for CTV Beam for primarily Russell County and Smith Station home games as well. So August the 18th is on a Thursday night. I will be calling the Smith Station-LaGrange game. That is going to re-air on the CW38. They're also going to call Glenwood games, but they have their own announcer. And then the first Russell County home game is going to be August the 26th against Harris County. So I'm excited. I get to call two Border Wars. Smith Station versus LaGrange and Harris County versus Russell County. I'm already going on YouTube and looking at the season for Smith Station because I don't know anything about Smith Station football. But I'm going to reach out to Coach Glisson. I'm going to try to get a roster, and I'm going to brush up on Smith Station football as they get ready to take on the Grangers of LaGrange. A big shout-out to the voice of the Grangers, Michael Buchanan. He'll be there as well. I'm excited. That was the first person I told When I found out I was calling the Smith Station LaGrange game. Oh, it's exciting. I can't wait. I'm going to have Mason Espinosa on the show tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. That's all the time I have. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I know I get it. These shows where I don't have a guest, they've not listened to that much. But I still have an obligation to the radio station to provide them a show. So that's why you're going to get a show on the podcast. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye everybody. You've been listening to the sports beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on anchor, Spotify, Google cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the sports beat with your host,